From 87 Lafayette, it's CoronaPod. I'm Matt. And I'm Adam. Alright, so <laughs> the sound quality in this episode may actually be lower than normal because our neighbors are really in a big Joni Mitchell face. I wonder that's, that's what it sounds like. Yesterday, I picked up on some Cheryl Crow. Mm. Today, it's Cheryl just Crow. been a little down with, like, I don't know what happened. I mean, obviously, everyone's down right now, but, like, I thought the Cheryl Crow was positive and, like, mm. they felt it. But now I'm rethinking that and I'm thinking they were trying to pump themselves up, but having completely failed, they've just, you know, said, okay, this is who I am. I will listen to going to California like eight times on repeat. <laughs> should, we, should we pause for a moment so maybe our listeners can hear the ambient noise? Well, there you have there it. You if, have you, it yeah. if you couldn't get it, that was Joni Mitchell coming through our walls. I personally love Joni Mitchell. I listen to Joni Mitchell. I'm, I will freely admit that on this podcast. I don't so know. you know what? More power to them. Yeah. I will say, I'm not sure if this right now is Joni Mitchell. You know, in the comments section, we don't have, um, let us know. But, uh, <laughs> to our first comment, our first commenter, please let us know. Um, I think it might be um, Bonnie Tyler, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, let's, done with the fun stuff. Um, let's, let's get serious for a second. Yeah. What did, what did you learn today? Well, you know, this morning I listened to the Daily, uh, great podcast, which I listen to every morning, and the episode was about what's happening in a specific emergency room here in Brooklyn, specifically at the Brooklyn Hospital Center, which was unnerving because the Brooklyn Hospital Center is like a block away from us. Um, we live at the corner of Lafayette and South Portland in Brooklyn, and this hospital is just down, if you go down South Portland and you bank a left and you go down another block or so, you're right there, and in this episode it's talking about people dying in the emergency room, it's talking about how much PPE they have, it's talking about how they've converted a bunch of this hospital basically into a big ICU, and what I realized as I listened to that is that, you know, life feels weird, but generally pretty normal here in this apartment. You know, we we have plenty of food, we're all, knock on wood, we're, we're all healthy right now, we're all employed, and at the same time, all around us, just a block away... There are a lot of people who are really sick and and a lot of people who are dying. And there are also a lot of people who are risking their lives every day to help those people. I know exactly what you mean because I biked by the hospital I biked by the hospital on my, you know, grocery runs, and there was at first one refrigerated truck. Now there are two refrigerated trucks. And you you bike right by everything. And I guess when I think about how this first started with the pictures coming out of Wuhan, it seemed like people were fighting kind of like this nuclear threat, right? Mm. Like people were all in all this protective gear and all of these things. And it's crazy to me that I can bike right next to a hospital 
where all of this crazy things are happening and I'm just wearing like a light face mask, right? Mm. And that mm -hmm. face mask is more to protect other people in case I'm asymptomatic than me, right? We've talked about how the high rates of asymptomatic people. So, you know, that, that's one part of it. But I expected it to somehow be more serious, right? And I guess that's kind of the perverse nature of this horrifying disease is that for most people, it's totally fine. And everything we're doing is to protect and try to minimize those other people. But yeah, it's very surreal to walk, to bike right by a refrigerated truck knowing that there are bodies in there of loved ones. But also that that's okay. I feel like that's, it's a very strange experience. Well, when you say it's okay, what I think you mean is that we don't really have a choice but to go about our lives. But also, I guess I mean more if I had the option between living in an apartment next to the hospital or not next to the hospital, it would make no difference to me. And I think when you think about something of this nature, of this scale, you imagine the people geographically around it being impacted. Mm -hmm. But that's not the case. And I think that's just so interesting, right? Like everyone who lived when Chernobyl happened, right? Everyone who lived in Pripyat, like everyone had to leave. Yeah. And yet the same thing, like a massive calamity on a global scale has happened, but I don't need to do anything. Right. Like I don't need to move. And I, I just find that so interesting. Like there, COVID hasn't created any displaced people. People have moved around and like we've talked about why that's a bad idea, but... No one was like, oh, I was forced it's to leave like my home. It's not like a natural disaster. Exactly, the, yeah. You know, it's not like a... It, it, for our healthcare system, feels like a tsunami, but it's not It's not like a tsunami or a tornado where within a given area, everything is is destroyed and, and everybody has to leave. But what's strange is like, you know, we, we could be in this apartment and our neighbors below us or, you know, our neighbors next to us could could be really sick. And so it's sort of like... This we almost pock, no, yeah. pockmarked approach um, where no area is, you know, totally underwater and no area is totally fine either. The, the one, you mentioned natural disasters and something, it is the beginning of natural disaster season, right? We just had these mm. horrifying tornadoes. We are going to start to get into like the summer and then the fall. Like this is the time when all the bad storms come, right? You had yeah. your snowstorms, but now we're starting to get to these other bad storms. And something to just be cognizant of is you can't tell people to evacuate right now. It's very hard to have shelter in place and evacuation. Our evacuation, you know, think of the Superdome, right? Sure, it was a disaster, but the idea was get people to somewhere safe. You can't have a, everyone evacuate to school gymnasiums yeah. when this is happening. And the final thing is our disaster response is all about pulling resources from other areas. This is true for wildfires. This is true for hurricanes. It's always about, okay, how many people in New York State can I send to Louisiana? Can mm. I send to Texas? Can I send to Australia to fight wildfires? And you can't do that anymore. Yeah. So it's something to look forward to. Everyone, like, cross your fingers for, like, a light season. Um, but, yeah, more more pessimistic news. I think... Switching topics a little bit, though. We should give our guest a call. Um, I'm really excited 
to talk to our guest tonight, Miranda Heyman, one of my oldest and dearest friends and an incredibly gifted artist, a theater director in New York who has uh, played a big role in directing shows on Broadway, who's directed her own shows off of Broadway. Her work has been written about in The Times. And so I'm really excited to give Miranda a call and uh, see what they say. See what they say. Hey, Miranda, welcome to Coronapod. Thank you. Um, so maybe let's start for our listeners uh, who may not be familiar with your work, if you can just talk a little bit about what you do and, and the kind of art you make. Um, well, I mostly move through the world as a theater artist, primarily as a director. Um, <clears throat> right now, or recently, I've been directing a lot of new plays um, off-Broadway at places like The Tank and, well, not anymore because of corona i was supposed to be in the middle of rehearsals for a show at roundabout theater company um so but i've mostly been working on new stuff but um i'm also interested in devised work and more ensemble building and adaptation uh and other kinds of making so that's what i usually do so i typically do got it and so maybe walk us through the past month or so how has all of that changed in the past month, I know you were, as you said, you were going into rehearsals for a show. I think you also were working on something at Lincoln Center. Um, yeah. What's happened over the past month? So basically over the past month, I went from being very close to opening a world premiere opera that I was working on at the Lincoln Center. So that was in its final week before opening night. Um in previews, as it as we call it in theater, we are still at the, we are at the end of our preview process, and then I was going to take a week and a half off to do some pre production work for my roundabout show, and then I was supposed to start rehearsals for my roundabout show um, April seventh. Um, so that has all gone to the wayside. Fortunately for me and the ensembles I'm part of, um, both of those shows have been postponed, so they will still be happening in some vein in next season um but essentially i've gone from say having like rehearsal 12 hours a day or 16 hours a day as i usually do and you know waking up at nine getting to the theater at 10 and not leaving until midnight and not getting home at one to having nothing to do well not nothing to do i'm just not going to rehearsal but for me that feels like having nothing to do so how are you creating? I, I think, um, and, and where are you now? Are you still in New York? Have you No, done... I'm not. I'm in Boston, which is where I was born and raised. Um, so I'm in Boston. And um, right now my notion of creating is, I'm understanding creating to be equal parts intake and outtake, which I don't think is something I had a, concept of before this time in our world I think I understood a lot of creating to be just output so now I'm trying to work on what it means to just take stuff in and also understand that as a kind of creating even if I'm not making a script or sending an email or writing in my journal just like the process of like absorption as process 
so I've been watching a ton of TV and also just like doing a bunch of master classes online. And I think I'm moving into the creation zone or the rather not the creation zone. I'm moving into my standard mode of creating, which is like the output. So I'm taking um, a bunch of TV writing classes online because I felt that those were the, if I were going to take any classes online, that would be the best subject matter. You know, that would be mm. the best translation to online because so much of TV writing is super formulaic, which I actually love. Um, so I'm having a lot of fun taking these TV writing classes and watching a ton of TV. And I'm also taking um, a... Uh, one of my writing classes is a late night TV show writing class. So I'm watching like a lot of Colbert and the daily show and like all this other stuff. So that's really fun. But now I'm moving more into the balance between input and output and understanding those to actually be equal as opposed to separate or valuing one more than the other. That, that, that makes a lot of sense. I have to ask, now that you're moving to output, is it output that is informed by coronavirus or is it just output in general? No, it's not. I mean, look, like, I don't really like the news. I've never liked the news. But now that I'm taking this late night TV writing class, I have to read the news. So it is, and obviously so many of the headlines are corona related. So so many of the, like, jokes I'm writing are related to corona. But in, insofar as, like, the relationship to what the world is talking about and, and thus what, like, TV, like, late-night TV shows talk about, like, yes. But other than that, I'm really not, uh, no, to be in, in short, no, it's not related to corona. Is there any chance you can preview a joke for us that you've, that you've written? Oh, my gosh. Okay. We're putting me, you on the oh, spot. They're so bad. That's why I love them. <laughs> <laughs> they're so bad. Don't worry. Our, our grandparents have both accepted Matt and I, even though we are also, quote, so bad. So I think, I think they'll love you. Okay. Let's see. Um, okay. Kanye West High School Art was appraised this week. Some of the individual pieces going as high as $8,000. Insiders reported he will soon be releasing an album titled The Level 2 Figure Drawing Dropout. (laughs) Hey, that's good. That's good. That's really... (laughs) Hey, I did see that story about Kanye's high school art. See? Yeah, I mean, that's that's great. Um, Okay, here's a Corona one I wrote. Where is it? Oh, God. Okay. Franklin Graham said on Fox News that the coronavirus pandemic in the U.S. was the result of people turning their back on God, to which God replied, LMAO, Mother Nature, did you hear this shit? They are really bugging. (laughs) Miranda, I think you have a future in being a late night host. I honestly think I also, yes, thank you. Yes, and. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think that it is like, kind of work to be making right now because it is so formulaic and there's so much satisfaction in just like writing a joke like you just write a joke and then it doesn't matter if it's good or bad like it's just so satisfying so fast um whereas like with plays and like other larger scale things it just becomes look I'm not saying that there's not like other kinds of like smaller satisfactions but it just to me 
plays and um, more dramatic stuff that I work on is so much wider spectrum. It's, it's such a bigger picture that sometimes it's impossible to look at, but I can, like, go on the news for five minutes. Like, I can go look at a website, a news website, get a headline, write a joke, and then be over with it in five minutes. Mm. Yeah, this, this is your, your Sudoku or your crosswords. Speaking of your plays, though, the last play of yours that I saw felt uh, almost prescient in in what it was about. So it was this great play called Really, Really Gorgeous, and you imagine this world in which there's been a disaster and everyone is stuck at home, can't leave their homes, and is glued to announcements from politicians on the TV. Um, oh, that's like controlled the media in such a way that like the only things to watch on tv are like american idol and the news yeah and that's like all you can watch (laughs) i mean that's not that does not feel that dissimilar from what's happening now i mean you know if you're following the cuomo daily announcements and nipple ring saga you know (laughs) (laughs) i certainly am so is is this um, changing the way you evaluate that piece of work? I mean, to be honest, I hadn't thought about it until you just brought it up. But but that's... Um, I was on a different Zoom call yesterday. I was, I've been doing these, like, Zoom happy hours, which are so weird, but I'm kind of obsessed with them. Um, and someone was talking about... Um, it's her name, Margaret Atwood. Am I remembering that well, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Someone watched the Margaret Atwood um, masterclass, and she said, in the masterclass, she said, a lot of people think that to imagine near futures, you have to think too far in advance, when in actuality, like, the most dystopian things are just about to happen. And I was like, what the... I don't know if I can swear on this, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah go for it, rip it. And also, I mean, also, like, very deserving. I was like, what the fuck? Like, how eerie is that? She was like, yeah, everybody keeps thinking about the near future as so far away, but it's not that far. So I'm kind of thinking about really, really gorgeous in that context of like, no, I'm not weirded out that I just did that play in what, like January? And now you're right, we all are stuck at home to our screens, like, trying to figure out, like, how to make meaning. And also, the thing, like, also the thing that was about that show is also just, like, the limited resources of, like, waiting for food to come to the door. And the people who deliver food might deliver you water next week. They might deliver you seltzer. Like, you don't really know. Like, all of that feels very much of the, like, I don't know what's going to be in my Fresh Direct order today. I told them what I wanted, but we'll see. <laughs> like, so I'm glad you made that connection, but it doesn't feel, I think that we would be kidding ourselves if our near, if, if our like black mirror or, you know, any of these worlds we create, if we were, we'd be kidding ourselves to think that they're actually that far away, clearly. Mm. So, so speaking maybe of a sort of dystopian near future, this is a really hard time for theaters and for, for folks who who work in the theater, what what does this mean for theaters long term? Like, will will Broadway survive? Will off Broadway survive? How are places that I know have been really important to you, like the Tank, um, 
roundabout? How are they going to get through this? I mean, theater, very similar to the restaurant industry, in most cases is an industry that does not have surplus. Like, that's the first thing that, like, everyone needs to remember is that theater has no surplus. Like, a good year for a theater company is breaking even, which never happens. Even, like, I don't need to, like, name drop everybody's, like, every single theater company's personal business, but, like, any theater company that you can think of has, goes into the year, goes into their next season with a deficit. Like, nine times out of ten. So, that's already a problem, is that theater companies already start on a deficit, and the whole, and then the whole season is based on trying to close that deficit, so that way the deficit doesn't keep getting bigger, it's to always keep the deficit at bay, and then eventually after 10 years to have a capital campaign that, like, deletes that deficit, and then there's another one, <laughs> like, then there's another deficit the following year. So, I think that this is going to be a time for, especially New York City, to really evaluate how much industry is related to theater, right? Like, we're not, like, when we talk about Midtown closing and Broadway closing, we're not just talking about people aren't going to shows. We're talking about the restaurants that people always go to before before a show, the drinks they always get after a show. Like, there is so much industry based, there's so many careers based in theater. So I think it's going to be a real question of, like, how our economy and how we as a country are prepared to support arts knowing how much they support the economy not just everybody's like hearts and minds like that's kind of separate to me it's like no like we people need to understand that like this is the gravity so like does that mean that i'm looking forward to i mean i don't think this is going to happen but like i'm very much looking forward to a dialogue about you like what does it look like to actually support the arts like is the case in literally every single other country (laughs) besides here right so like what does it look like to have statewide and federal support for the arts and to your question of you know who is more likely going to survive I would certainly say like because the point of commercial Broadway is to make money like some of them might not be able to come back because of that but a lot of them will be able to sustain because the, 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 the point of commercial Broadway is to have a surplus but a lot of the not-for-profit places that we're talking about, where all of those artists start, I mean, it's gonna—it's definitely gonna be tricky. There's gonna have to be some new models created of even how we make because theater is already theaters dependent on ticket sale revenue because of that lack of support from any other income sources. So it's—it's it's just like Corona is like calling to light so many other systemic problems that are already you know, at the brink, it is the exact same thing with theater. So it's going to require us as a country and us as, a, as New Yorkers and us as theater artists and us as patrons of theater to really call into question, like, what does support, what does actual support look like? Not just, I sometimes donate to my friend's Kickstarter, like, I go to the theater. Not that that's not important, but it's not fixing the actual systemic issues that all of us as theater artists are facing. So as a parting thought, if folks are at home right now and they are wondering like, what, what can I do to, to try to be helpful? Because 
they love the theater and they care about the theater and they want the theater in the broadest possible sense of, of the word theater to survive. What can people do? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that right now, so many theater artists who don't have W-2 income are just waiting for their unemployment to come and are, you know, going back and forth with unemployment offices to try to figure out, you know, hey, I had, you know, theater artists have like 40 jobs in one year technically. So there's like so many people going back and forth with unemployment about their paperwork. So I think that the main thing that folks who want to support theater and the theater artists right now can be to donate to um, the, the campaigns and the relief funds that are going around that will directly put that money and that cash into the hands of theater artists. The main one that I'm thinking about is Artist Relief Fund. That one is really close to making their goal. Um, I also know that um, Broadway Cares has something and the Actors Fund also has a fundraiser. Um, there's the, there's the, um, the, uh, what's that thing called? Um, creative capital is also giving out direct cash to artists in need. So any of those would be great places to send dollars. Um, and also there's, so that's one thing. And then also there's a lot of actually really powerful art being streamed right now. Um, I know Rattlestick has a show that's happening and they've been streaming it online. There's lots of different people doing Zoom calls and readings and I'm totally happy to um, provide resources for that at another location because I have a very long list of the content that I keep up with. But yeah, just also being able to support those initiatives when you see it and dropping into a Zoom reading. Well, we would love to get some of those from you, Miranda, and put them in our show notes, which I'm sure lots of people are, are <laughs> finding. But you, you did hear it here uh, first. Uh, grandma, who I call Mom Mom, uh, loyal listener. Hi, Mom Mom. Uh, <laughs> Artist Relief Fund um, and a whole bunch of other organizations who are doing good things for, for people who make really important art. Miranda, I know I know you have to go and we've kept you over time, so thank you so much for coming on the show and thank you for the incredible art you create. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for being a continued supporter. I appreciate it and I appreciate the space you're carving out to hear theater artists talk about the tea. And you you want to spill it? We're here to uh, to hear it and stream it. I'm always, ask Matt, I'm always ready with the tea, constantly and consistently, since 2008. Thank you so much, Miranda. Talk to you soon. Stay healthy. Okay, bye. Bye. It's got to be, it's tough being, I mean, it's tough in any time. I mean, they are in such high spirits, given everything that's happened. Um, I feel like they're approaching it the same way that a lot of TV writers approach the uh, writer's strike from, you know, our childhood, um, mm. and went out and just created new things. Um, so happy to hear that people are doing new things. I, I, I guess the one thing I would say is it's not just New York City. Um, and New York City might actually be better insulated from these uh, this downturn in the sense that New York City will always have Broadway. Broadway is not going anywhere. And there are so many industries and ways that keep 
actors afloat, writers afloat, um, I'm really worried about small town arcs, mm, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, New York City has its problems, right? Like, the NYPhil is, like, an unmitigated disaster. Like, the Met is losing subscribers, but Broadway is still doing well. I'm worried about that uh, summer theater festival in a small town somewhere, and they're not going to be able to rehearse because no one's allowed to gather. And Yeah, or even put on a show this summer. Right, so the show doesn't happen this summer, and then it's just going to be that much harder to make it happen in 2021. So support your local artists. One thing I will say is, in New York, buying tickets for postponed shows does not give people cash right now. If you want to provide, like in a restaurant, for example, you can buy a gift card, right? And the restaurant can use that money now. That doesn't work for ticket sales. So if you're looking to support artists and creators and those communities, you just have to give them money um, and um, know that they will repay you with incredible, incredible stuff down the line. Absolutely. That is great advice. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll put some organizations in the show notes poured over by our many, many listeners, and, and hopefully that will, uh, that will be helpful. All right, well, folks, thanks for listening, and uh, I'm excited about what we're going to come back with tomorrow, too. This has been Coronapod. Thanks for listening. And until next time, stay healthy. Coronapod is brought to you by Momo the Cat. Follow her at Momo underscore is underscore a underscore cat. Oh, here she is. <laughs>